Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We're finishing up our conversation with Donna Plummer. If you were not privileged to hear her first half, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this in series. And I'll tell you why. Donna's story is so unique. Donna was so gracious to allow us to walk back in time with her over the last four years where she was diagnosed with endometriosis of the lung, a very rare find. Matter of fact, she's become a case study of of sorts. What we did in the beginning of the first episode was we went back to biology class, so to speak. I asked you to take out some pen and paper. You can write me at realdoc74 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at realdoc74. And the Facebook page, House Call Community with Dr. Mack. Send me your comments, your questions. Because what we did was we showed you how when the biology is working as it should, the hormones that are released in the brain talk to the ovaries. And then there are some ovarian hormones that then talk to the uterus. The uterus then sends back a feedback mechanism of sorts. And this is sort of like a cycle. When this cycle is broken, there are so many variations of the theme that can happen. In this episode, Donna brings up some very key points and you're gonna hear some terminology, some jargon that's gonna pique your ears. I would encourage you to make sure that you get your information from the correct sources. She's gonna talk about Depo-Provera. Depo-Provera is a synthetic hormone. It is used as a birth control. Now I know we all have our own opinions about birth control and all the different modalities thereof. What I would encourage you to do is go back and sit down with your healthcare providers, your trusted advisors, and help to get some information so that you can make an informed decision. Donna is also gonna talk about how one of the healthcare provider she was dealing with may have said that she was quote unquote overreacting at one of her visits. And I know that's gonna spark a lot of conversations. What I want to bring to the forefront is that sometimes we all do it as humans. We may disconnect from the emotional side of a situation. And so as practitioners, there are times where they will make a disconnect and so they won't always say or do the right things. Remember, we're all human. But I want you to see what Donna did as her own advocate. She came with her healthcare provider. They came to a conclusion of the matter and moved forward. You're also gonna hear about a phone conversation with a healthcare provider that she had. And I know that is going to spark some conversations. So as you sit and listen to Donna's story, or if you're driving or walking or doing your workout, I want you to start connecting your own health dots. 
Think about some symptoms you may have, not necessarily with your cycle, but just in your overall health. So let's sit down. Let's have some conversation. Let's connect these dots. Let's have some straight talk. back and says, the fluid's back. He calls me back and he said, the fluid is back in my lung and he would need to refer me to a thoracic surgeon. Oh. Yes. And he said, I'm going to forward your information on to the surgeon. And uh, we met after the fluid was drawn and he said he would like to see me in another three weeks. Mm -hmm for another chest x-ray right. just to make sure that the lung was still clear, no mm -hmm, issue. Mm -hmm. And he contacted me at work and uh, he was very apologetic because he knew how much I was stressing about this. And he said that the fluid was back okay. and he would need to refer me to a thoracic surgeon. Mm. And uh, the first surgeon of his choice was on vacation. And because this is urgent, uh, he referred me to his second choice. Okay. And uh, he gave me the number of the of the surgeon and told me to bring my disc with mm -hmm. me. And uh, actually, they also had done it electronically. Okay. He had forwarded his electronically to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, after we hung up from each other, I called the surgeon that he had referred me to. And again, because of him being who he is. I saw that person within two hours that day. Whoa. So I drove to his office and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing with all this fluid in your lung? How are you functioning? I said, I don't know. This is how I've always been. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize how serious and how yeah. critical yeah. this is. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, we have to, we're going to have to schedule you for surgery to, again, drain this fluid and to look around and see what is actually going on inside of the lung. And uh, he did not want for me to have the surgery while I was on my cycle mm -hmm. because I would also need to be on blood thinner. And so the surgery was scheduled based around my cycle. Wow. And uh, I went in on October of 2011 mm -hmm. uh, to Holy Cross uh, for my thoracic surgery and uh, the surgery was about uh, two hours maybe two and a half hours uh, where after recovery him coming to my room and telling me that uh, he had drained another two liters of fluid from my lung and he had burned off as much of the scar tissue as he could. Okay. And uh, because they don't know how long this fluid had been in my lung, and from having the surgery and everything, my lung had collapsed and I had an air pocket. So I spent nine days in the hospital. My goodness. <laughs> it also, this surgery also allowed me to get over my phobia of needles because. <gasps> You I was, were being I was being poked every three day. times a day. Oh, first thing for lab, and I had heparin twice a day in my stomach. Yeah. And um, so after being in the hospital for nine days, uh, being monitored 
walk in, I was strong enough to go home. Okay. Uh, on leave for six weeks. Mm. And uh, by November of 2011, my first cycle after my surgery, I'm sitting at the table and I felt as if I had to cough. And I cough and it was blood. So of course I panicked. I called the surgeon again. He instructed me to go directly to the emergency room. He would let them know I was coming. And I went. Uh, they monitored me for a little while. Mm -hmm. but they thought about admitting me, but they monitored me for about three, four hours. Okay. And um, I did have one or two duplications, but it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And so they released me okay. uh, back home. During that time, I was then, by the surgeon, sent back to my OB. Okay. Because my cycle needs to be stopped to get all of this under control. And so my OB then said, this is the only thing that we have to do. Which is? Which is to give me the Depo-Provera shot oh, to stop my cycle. Okay. And I don't know if you've seen that. It's This tube is so big, I felt like it was a gallon yes. of fluid being yes. pumped into my system. So in November of 2011 and December of 2011, I received two dosage of Depo-Provera. It did absolutely nothing mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. It My cycle for December was manageable. It was okay. I did not cough up any blood. But on in January of 2012, our first day back to work from Christmas break, I'm on the phone with a girlfriend and I felt I had to cough, and I felt as if I had a cold or something, and I always spit in a napkin, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> and so I felt this, and I coughed it up, and it's this thick, dark red blood. Yeah. And the person I was talking to, I, I said to her, I said, let me call you back. And she said, okay. And I coughed again, and some more came up, and I immediately called the surgeon. Yes. I was unable to get through to him because he was in an open-heart surgery, and he tried contacting me back to go to the ER to have a CT scan done, and I don't know what I did with my phone. I didn't get the message. Mm. But I wasn't too concerned because I had my follow-up appointment with him the following day. Oh, all right. And so when I went to see him, he said, what's going on with you coughing up blood? And of course, I tried to duplicate it in the office. It didn't no, happen. It happen. <laughs> and I, I said to him, you know, I wanted to bring you a sample, but I didn't know if that would gross you out. He said, no, I love samples. You should have brought it. And I thought, okay, no problem. And so we talked and he said, well, you know, maybe at some point I might need to do a bronchoscopy on you and just go around and look in the lung and see what's going on right. post-surgery. And I went home, and the same issue that I'd had during that day kept happening. So I got all my little snack Ziploc bags, and every cough I duplicated and wrote the date and the time on it. Good, good. And the following morning, I called him, and I told him I had some samples for him. He said, absolutely. 
bring it in. I said, can I come in? He said, absolutely. I, I want to see. Come in. Um, by then, they had scheduled the bronchoscopy for January 13th. Mm -hmm. And when I went in with the samples and he saw, he changed that to the following morning. Oh. Yes. So the following morning, I am back at Holy Cross to have a bronchoscopy done. And during this procedure, he removed blood clots from my lung. And during um, recovery, in the recovery room, he came to visit and talked with me about what he had done. And uh, he said, I will have to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your OB because if something drastic isn't done, this can be could be fatal for you. And I thought, oh God, here we go again. Oh, <laughs> and so he said, you know, to take the next three days and just kind of relax by then. I'm just having a lot of discomfort in the area. I'm afraid to sleep at night. I'm by that point, I'm sleeping on maybe four or five pillows. I would sleep in an upright position. Was that because you couldn't breathe or because you were nervous? Because I was nervous. Okay. I was nervous. I was afraid if I laid flat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. It was just such an unstable time <laughs> mentally. I don't know. Yeah. I, for me, it felt better. And to, so that's to, why okay. I, mm -hmm. I did that. Okay. Okay. And so um, a few days, about two days after my bronchoscopy, I called my OB and I told him, that I had gone in and he said yes I know it's I had a talk with your uh, surgeon and uh, we talked a little and he kind of said good luck and I thought good luck good luck to you good luck to me and he did not relate to me that they had discussed that I needed to have a hysterectomy and he relayed to the oh. surgeon that he can do a hysterectomy, but he was uncomfortable doing my hysterectomy because of my situation. He said that, well, he did not explain that to me on the phone call. And after we hung up, I just got very upset. And I, yes. I called back and I said, I scheduled an appointment to see him. And I uh, was able to see him soon. Yes. And um, I went in and I said, I don't understand. You've been my doctor for years. I feel as if you're throwing me under the bus. What, what did you mean by good luck? And that is when he explained to me, he said, I have been caught in a situation before during surgery where it was more than what it was supposed to be. And your situation is such where it needs to be done in a teaching hospital because if it has gone to your lung, God knows, Who knows what's where down in your pelvis. Where else is going on? What yes. else is going on? Yes. And so he said, I had a talk with the surgeon and he said he would refer you to someone. I said, Well, you never explained any of that to me. <laughs> and so bottom line, the surgeon referred me to uh, an oncologist gynecologist. Yes. And uh, we went and met with him. And of course, I was very torn about a hysterectomy. I just, you know, I just thought, you lose your womanhood. Mm -hmm. I still feel that way. And, um, yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's really and so, um, we, we went and met with him. 
and he explained to me uh, endometriosis and uh, he talked about by it going to my lung that it's almost it could can be compared to a, a cancer patient, mm -hmm. someone who has stage four cancer, yes. except it is not cancer. Right. And um, he said he would need to have an MRI done to see what's going on in the tummy area. And I had my MRI done, and he contacted me directly with the results. And he said, not only do you have endometriosis, which doesn't show up on an MRI, but uh, it showed that I had fibroids, mm -hmm. too numerous to count. Mercy. I had old ones that had pierced into the uterus wall and some that are just distorted, just kind of coming apart. Wow. <laughs> and so uh, February of 2011, I then had a hysterectomy. And you had your ovaries removed as I had well everything was taken because endometriosis had taken over my reproductive system. It was on my intestines. I lost a lot of blood during the surgery, which required me getting a blood transfusion. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, after the hysterectomy, I thanked the doctor for giving me my life back yeah. because I felt like a brand new girl. Really? Yes. I'm life has been very good for me um the only issue was <laughs> the lung hadn't gone away <laughs> ah, yes yes so now we're and coming so up to now we're coming up to our one year anniversary of my surgery and i am feeling a little discomfort in the lung area and I contact the surgeon and he ordered a CT scan with contrast and it showed that there's a little fluid there and so I had to have the fluid drawn and the fluid was drawn in 2012 mm -hmm. and um, it was normal in color okay. it was sent to the lab it was about a small uh, styrofoam cup oh, of okay. fluid, maybe so half, a lot less, a lot less than what was there, mm -hmm. and it wasn't dark red. I okay. failed to mention earlier when the fluid that was drawn initially, it was so red it was black, <laughs> and so this time, after the, on my one year anniversary after the surgery on my yeah. lung, this fluid was about half a cup of a small styrofoam cup okay. of fluid and it was normal in color it was sent off to the lab and um and they just wanted this sample just to just monitor to you well, weren't have well i had some discomfort oh and okay. it, it showed that there was a little bit of fluid there so um, okay. they wanted to draw the fluid out and see he also suggested maybe um while they drew the fluid out that I also would have another small procedure done where they would force the lung to open because mm -hmm. it was still part of the lung that was still collapsed. Yes. But the doctor who drew the fluid did not uh, recommend, did not agree with having the screw put in or the wiring put in to open the lung. 
because he said he didn't see where it would make a difference. Okay. And so we go another year and I feel a little discomfort again. And I call the call him and again he ordered to have the fluid drawn and a CT scan. The first time I had the CT scan done before the fluid was drawn. Mm -hmm. This time they wanted for the fluid to be drawn and the CT scan after to see what's actually going on with the lung. Yes. And this time it showed that there is a space between the lung and the chest wall. Okay. They didn't even bother to test the fluid this time. They just discard it because the color, they know the color to look for. Mm -hmm. And um, so they didn't bother to test it. And so I went to meet with him after the procedure and uh, brought my disc and he said that I would need to have some cleaning up done from my surgery from 2010 because what the CT scan showed that there was still some scarring left and part of the lung was still trapped. I then said to him, why didn't you do all of this the first time? This is yes. so painful. This is a surgery that is so painful. I would not wish this on my worst enemy. <laughs> it's it is so painful and he explained to me he said you know I have to be honest with you when I first met you I thought you had cancer because I've never seen someone with that much fluid in their lung before and it not being cancer <laughs> and he said as I told you after that surgery I burnt off as much of the scar mm. tissue as I could mm -hmm. And so this is just, a, even though it's painful, it's a cleaning up that has to be done. And so I left out of there crying again with my mom. And I told her, I said, you know, Mother, I think I'm just going to live this way for the rest of my life. I am not going to have another surgery. And I was home one evening cleaning my kitchen. And before I had this fluid drawn, if something had fallen on the floor, if I bent down to pick it up, uh -huh. I could feel the fluid move. Oh. I stand up, I could feel the fluid Ooh. move. It's very uncomfortable. I was going to say, that can be an unnerving feeling. It, it is. And so um, this particular evening, I just got annoyed with it. And I got the laptop, and I sat right in the kitchen, at the kitchen table. And I thought, I'm going to pull up Georgetown Hospital. I want to get a second opinion. And so I pulled up and I saw this doctor and I read her bio and I said to him, I just thought, I'm going to call. Mm -hmm. And I called and I relayed my entire, at first I left my name and number and then I, I just left my entire life story on the voicemail. The phone cut off and I called back and finished. Have the, mercy. Finished the call. <laughs> Need to be your own advocate. <laughs> have to. Have to. The one thing I have learned during this whole process, it is so important to li listen to your body. Yes. It is. And it was something I did. But after I had my daughter and seeing all that she had gone through, I just shrugged little things off because I thought, Look at what she has gone through. You know, I can deal with a little pain. Mm. I can deal with my cramps, you know, not knowing that it was something so serious. And I just wish after my hernia surgery that my 
OB really had sat me down and talked to me and tell me, but I don't know if anyone really knows how serious this is and how serious it could be, you know? And so just looking back at all of this, it just, it just makes me wonder what could have happened if our, at a certain point, at a, at a certain different point. at different milestones, yes. some intervention yes. could have been yes. done. So bottom line, I wasn't expecting to hear from Georgetown right away. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the following morning, I pulled into the parking lot here at work. I was talking to my mom from school all the way. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> she works at night and we correspond yes, then. Yeah. And I see this call comes up and I told her I'd call her back and I answered. And it was the hospital. They... uh. They had listened to my message, and the doctor, the surgeon, wanted to see me. What? She wanted to see me. And she had an availability that week, about two days later, two or three days later. She wanted to see me, but the only way I could get that appointment is I would have to get my medical record to her uh-huh. today, that day. And I said, absolutely, no problem. And I came in, and I contacted the hospital where I had on my surgeries and they sent it off to them and I went in with my disc yes from my last CT scan and, and I showed it to her and initially uh, looking at that CT scan she she was leaning towards not doing anything okay and uh, she said but uh, let me do another CT scan just to see what has happened since then. In the interval. Okay. It, yes. And this was just within a matter of maybe a month or two. Wow. And sure enough, she called me directly that evening. You and, and these said, direct phone calls. I know. Are... You know, I always say to my mom, I said, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm not blessed. She said, Donna, you are you blessed. Are. She said, you saved yourself. You asked for a chest x-ray. The doctor didn't suggest it. You asked for a chest That's x-ray. That's why we're sitting here today. <laughs> and so um, we met with the surgeon. She called me and she said, you know, she's afraid that they do need to do something. And um, she scheduled uh, the surgery. And she went in again and she drained the fluid and burnt off. Uh, the scarring okay and, uh, and off, off that was left on the lung and uh, this time I had my lung glued to my chest wall Wow and um, I had four incision on this particular surgery okay the first surgery I only had two mm. and this last surgery I also had two chest tubes mm. she said not a, since the late 70s she's not used two chest tube on a patient and so um, I had two chest tubes uh, in. I came home with one for a week, and it was taken out after. Mercy. And so I'm on the mend now. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. because I do have a small air pocket. Okay. And uh, she would like to see me again in six months. But in between that time, she would like for me to do some strenuous exercise okay and that that is to work the lung yes so that the lung can squeeze this air pocket out yes and so here i am today my goodness donna (laughs) 
you have a wonderful story. And as you were going through, I'm jotting down so many different points that I want to bring up. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here just thinking about how, one, you were your own advocate was. in the very beginning. And this is a premise of why I'm starting these conversations. I want people in the communities, and when I say community, I'm talking about even our world community, just everybody we come in contact with, starting to connect little dots. You remember those connect the dot pictures? Yes, yes. Where when you first look at it, you're not quite sure, sure what, what it is, is. <laughs> but when you start going around and you connect all, and even if it zigzags and yes. weaves, mm -hmm. and when you come all the way full circle, you see the full picture. That's what I am that's my passion right now helping people connect their own dots yes. mm -hmm. because if you're not your own best advocate who else will physicians are human I'm one of them we you have some out there that will go the extra mile that will do a little bit more that will connect with patients and really dig into their stories and then you have some that are so bogged down with just the everyday running, mm -hmm. that they may not take that extra minute. Both kinds need their patient to come in and say, this is what's really going on with me so that we can become a partner okay. in whole person care. But the key also, I think, as a person, we should all listen to our bodies. Yes. We should. And it's, you know, like I said earlier, I was that person. I was that person prior to my daughter being born in 2003. Mm. I would go to the doctor for every, every rash. I go to the doctor. I don't know what it is. Wow. I was that kind of person. But just after having her and seeing, and she was born premature, seeing all that she had to go through, you know, I just would shrug things off. You kind of you pushed know? yourself I, to the back burner. Yeah, I put myself and I made sure everything was perfect and fine with her kept up on all her appointments exactly. and everything and just kind of pushed me to the side until it's unbearable exactly and that's where we go wrong exactly don't wait until it gets there exactly if it's enough to bother you go right away don't wait until you can't take it anymore Donna, I have had a pleasure sitting here and you relaying your story. We usually give a tip of the day, and so I want you to give a tip of the day. Oh, gosh. You caught me off guard. <laughs> okay. I think I've already said it. Yeah. To listen to your body, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah. Listen to your body and, and follow, follow through. If something hurts... Get it taken care of. Get it taken care of. Talk to someone about it. Yes. You know, I don't be so private about everything. Mm. You know, I just never talked about my cycle. Yeah. You know, it just, I would get irritable. My mom would know that I would get sick. My mm -hmm. family would know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just don't want to be around anyone. I'd rather be in a room, dark room for my boss. You know, I would tell her sometimes, I'd say, you know, as women, we should get a week off. That whole week, we should be <laughs> off and not have to deal with anyone or anything. And so, yeah, my I would say listen to your body and don't put things off. If something hurts, something doesn't feel right, yeah. 
go right away. Yes. Go right away. Don't wait until it's too late. Thank you so much, Donna. (laughs) This is just the beginning of a series we're going to delve into where we start talking about hormones, where we start talking about the female nuances, how our, our hormones actually fluctuate, and how that comes across in terms of symptoms, in terms of everyday living for us. And so I want to thank you for kicking us off with it's this. It's my pleasure. If so, I can help save someone, I'm, I'm happy. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> so thank you so much. And this is House Call with Dr. Mack.